All right, you're going to need your Bibles because we've got a couple scriptures I want you to jump into. Today, we are talking about the testimony, the power of testimony, because we're kicking off a brand new series called Testify. Say, Testify. You're going to bring a little soul into it. Say, Testify. All right, so that's what we're doing today. We're going to testify, okay? So, I need you to open up to Revelations chapter 12. Father, as they open, I just submit this time to you, and I'm asking that you would come and flow and come and do your thing. Lord, we want to be encouraged and inspired by testimony and the power of it, and we just want to take the top off this whole summer and let you come and move in power through testimony uh, all summer long. So would you come and do it? Everything coming from my mouth, let it be of you. If it's not, don't let them hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Revelations 12, verse 10. Say, I got it if I got it. Oh, the offering. Yeah, I forgot. Okay. Okay, yes. Let's do it at the end. Don't let me forget. Okay, let's just keep rolling. All right, Revelations 12, verse 10. Are you ready? Here we go. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, this is uh, John, the revelator. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, say hallelujah, which accused them before our God day and night and night and day. He just kept accusing. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, say blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony, say word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Say hallelujah. All right. So they overcame the enemy, the accuser, the nasty little punk who kept accusing day and night, night and day. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. In Greek, this, this phrase used for word, it's logos, but it's, it's, it means something spoken, something audible, something that you hear, something that comes out of your mouth, something that is proclaimed. It is the sayings of God. It's what somebody has said. It's what somebody has declared. That is the word. The testimony, it is evidence given. It is connected with the judicial system. It is strong evidence given. It's a record. It's a report. And do you know that when compelling evidence is given, your beliefs and your thoughts can change in a moment? Okay? When you have compelling evidence given to you, bam! All of a sudden, your mind, your thought will change forever. So, for example, when I was a freshman in college, 18 years old, I had been hungering for God since I was a, a young child, really, but especially from 13 on, spending time with God every day, reading the Bible, pressing in, spending lots of time in prayer, trying to go deeper in God. I get to college, and my best friend, his name was Mick. He lived right across the street from my apartment, and he told me a story. He said, man, I've been, I've been wanting more of God, and I was praying the other night, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in tongues. And I was like, what? What is this? Are you kidding me? Because I had read about it for years. Years in high school, I had read about it. I had dreamt of it. I would read in Acts and be like, God, is this real? Do you still do this? Oh, my goodness, if this is a thing, I want this, please. And all of a sudden, my best friend, who is no better than me, no deeper in God than me, he's got it, and I don't. And guess what happened? 
I got hungry. I got excited. I got motivated. I got convinced that this thing is real and that it's out there and it is available. And by golly, if this guy can get it, I'm sure going to get it too. And I begin to press in. I begin to cry out to God. I begin to spend hours and hours in my prayer closet. Just, God, please, won't you come? Please, I know this thing's real. And it was months, maybe a year. I don't remember how long, but a long, long time of crying and asking God to come and move in my heart. And then one night, we were doing this uh, all-night prayer thing with our youth group. And we were at the church, and we were praying all night long. And I'll never forget, it's like probably 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm pacing back and forth, and I'm praying, and I'm crying out to God, and the Lord puts on my heart Rachel's dad. Rachel's dad was Jewish. He is Jewish. Um, but at the time, he did not believe in Jesus Christ. He was not interested in that in the least. He had very plainly and clearly on multiple occasions told me, no way in my life will I ever believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You should quit telling me about this. <laughs> okay? And so the Holy Spirit puts him on my heart. And I'm like, oh, God, yes, Larry, please wake him up. Let him see the truth. Draw him into your love and your presence. And I start pressing in in prayer. And I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit of Elisha when he raised up the dead boy. Do you remember this story? And the boy is dead, and the mother kind of sets up a little trap, and she's mad. She's like, you gave me this baby. You give her. And the baby's dead on the ground, and Elisha comes in. And Elijah looks at the boy, and he is led by the Holy Spirit to lay on top of the dead boy, eyes to eyes, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, on top of the boy. And he breathes life into the boy. And the boy's body becomes warm, but he's not alive. He gets up, and he goes outside, and he paces for a while, says the Bible. And he walks, and he comes back in. He's like, it's on now, buddy. And he lays down again, eyes to eyes, nose to nose, mouth to mouth. He breathes life into the boy. And the boy, the dead boy, comes back to life. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit puts this on my, on my mind, and I begin to lay on the ground, and I prophetically lay upon Rachel's dad, eyes to eyes, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, and I'm breathing the life of God into this man who hates Jesus. And I'm like, God, let it be. Come on, let him see the truth. Let him know who you are. Let him shut up. I'm like, whoa. <gasps> I look around, and I'm like, that was weird. God, no, I'm serious now. Come on, like, please, I want him to, I want him to know you. Please, Jesus. And I'm praying in English, praying in English, praying in English, and all of a sudden, it comes out again. And I'm like, what is this? And the Holy Spirit says, it's the, it's the gift of tongues, you moron. <laughs> he didn't call me a moron. Um, but he should have. I deserved it, but he didn't. Um, and, and that is how it happened for me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. All because I heard my best friend across the street. He got it, and I didn't have it. The power of one story in one moment changed the course of my life forever. Right? Another example. One year later, I was 19 years old, and my friend Emily, she had given me a CD. Maybe a tape. It was probably a tape at that time. You give me a tape of this lady named Heidi who was in Africa who nobody had ever heard of. And this story of Heidi from Africa who nobody's ever heard of, she's sharing about how she's feeding orphans. And there's all these orphans and there's not enough food. And she has a pot full of food. And the food is running out. She has enough to feed 50. And all of a sudden, several hundred, 300, 400 kids show up. 
And they're like, we want food. And she's like, oh, God, I want to feed these kids, but I don't have enough. I have no more money. This is literally all my money. And she's scooping, giving food, scooping, giving food, scooping, giving food. 100 kids get fed. Uh, 200 kids get fed. 300 kids get fed. And the food never runs out. Hallelujah. In a moment, I hear a story, and now I have evidence to put my faith upon. I am convinced it is possible today, no questions asked, for food to be multiplied if the Lord is in the midst. Amen? So a year later, I listened to this other guy named David Hogan. Anybody heard of David Hogan? So this guy's a missionary in Mexico, and he's wild and crazy and pretty gruff. And he's telling this story about how there was this dead little girl in a village in the middle of nowhere in Mexico, and the witch doctors had taken the child and basically sacrificed the child and, and claimed it for the devil. And he goes in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he walks into this little hut with these witch doctors sitting all around and the dead baby on the, on the ground. And the story is too crazy to tell here. But long story short, he speaks life into the baby. The baby comes back to life. I think it's like a six-year-old child. Comes back to life. He carries him up in the midst of all the witch doctors, takes this child out of the village and preaches the gospel. The person, of course, comes to Jesus, living and well. And he continues to share how they've seen hundreds of dead people in these years come to life in Mexico. Hallelujah. My thought on the dead being raised in a moment changed forever because I heard a compelling evidence of something that God had done. I heard the testimony of something God had done. A couple years later when I was 22, I was watching a video. Uh, we were in a training school in uh, Waco, and our instructor pulls out a video and says, hey, guys, I want you to watch this. This is amazing stuff. And the video is a bunch of underwater divers, and they're talking about Moses. And they're talking about Egypt. And they're talking about the Red Sea. And they're videoing and showing compelling evidence that they have found a section in the Red Sea that is raised up higher than all the rest of the Red Sea. The land physically is higher, and it makes a land bridge from one point to another point across the Red Sea. And it's a cliff. It's a narrow little section. It drops off on both sides. And then they found this section, and they think, what in the world is this? They begin to explore. And as they explore, they begin to find things in the dirt. Guess what they start to find? They start to find some weapons that have been encrusted by coral nowadays, so it's preserved forever. And then they find some chariot wheels. And then they start looking and realize it's Egyptian chariot wheels and weapons stuck in the dirt of the Red Sea on this land bridge. Hallelujah! You know what happened that day? I believed from then on that that thing really happened. It never doubted it before, but all of a sudden I had compelling evidence, and my faith was grounded like never before because I heard a story. The power of testimony, it'll change your life. I was 26 years old. Rachel and I had gone to California, Redding, California, for the first time to see Bill Johnson and some other guy. Some other guy named Randy. I don't have a clue who he was. But we get there and it's this healing conference and, and Randy is on stage and he's sharing about this crazy thing that all of a sudden these people with metal in their bodies are being healed. It's disappearing. It's bending. It's doing weird things. We don't know. But here's an x-ray. And there's an x-ray of a person with surgical metal in their bodies. And here's the next x-ray a month later with no metal in that space. Right? 
And I'm like, what? This is insane. Did you see that x-ray? And he's sharing these videos, and he's sharing these x-rays, and all this stuff. And I'm just amazed. And I'm thinking, like, whoever the heck that guy is, oh, my gosh. <laughs> i got to learn everything he knows. And then he says, so... I, this is cool in, in Brazil. This is cool in Mexico, but let's see it here. If you have metal in your body, stand up. And all these people in a room of 2,000, stand up. And he says, great. God wants to heal you. Some of you, just start testing your body. And they start doing things they can't do. All these hands are waving in the air, testifying that they've been healed. They start coming up on the stage. And I'm watching this guy on stage who had two metal rods fused from his neck to his tailbone, all the way up and down his spine. He can't turn his head. He can't bend over like this. He is now on stage doing all the things he cannot do and has not been able to do for years. My mind, in a moment, is instantly changed. And it helped a little that one of our friends, who we brought with us, had six screws in her shoulder and could not raise her arm above this, and you could feel the screws in her shoulder, and all of a sudden they're magically gone, and she's waving her arm like this. The testimony, the power of the testimony, it will change you forever. And it can happen so fast. So this is why... In Revelations, it is loudly proclaimed, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen? Because the two together have tremendous power to change things. Each of those testimonies changed me in a moment. One piece of compelling evidence, and I was forever changed. And that's the power of testimony. So that brings up the second scripture that I want us to keep in mind this summer. So the first one is they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony in Revelations. The second one that comes to mind is Romans chapter 10. Go open up there. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, 17. You got it? All right. It says this, So then... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Say it with me. Say, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Say it again. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. One more time. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. That's right. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. And I want to point out all of the examples that I shared a moment ago where I was changed in a moment. I heard a story from my friend Mick. I heard a story from this lady named Heidi. I heard a story of this guy named David Hogan. I watched a video and heard the story of the Egyptian chariot wheels. I heard and saw the story of the metal in people's body. It all came through hearing. My life was immediately changed through hearing the word of God. I heard what God had done. I heard the testimony of what God had done, and bam, I'm changed. And my faith now has compelling evidence to rest upon. It's like it gave me a new step. It's in that moment, that story of the mix of this testimony with the blood of Jesus, it built a new step for me to now stand on, and I can level up to the next spot. Because it created that kind of faith inside of me. 
So Revelations 12.10, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of God, which comes through hearing. Why do you think hearing has that power? I think this is interesting. From my perspective, hearing is the most direct access to your brain and to your thoughts and to your processes. It's the easiest, most simple way to receive information and to quickly begin to process new thoughts. So ultimately, if you need your thoughts to change, the quickest and easiest way to change your thoughts is to hear something that challenges what you currently believe, and all of a sudden, your brain will begin to process automatically and will make a decision very quickly what you feel or believe about it. And so I think even physiologically, hearing brings power to change your thought and to give you new faith. So faith, it is the conviction of truth or a belief. It's the assurance of a belief. It's persuasion. It's credence. It is knowing. It's a solidifying of a belief. All right? So faith is the solidifying of a belief. This week I had two instances to solidify my beliefs in two practical ways. I was out showing houses, and there was a dock on a pond, and there was a balcony on a second-story place. And I believed that those would hold me, but I wasn't totally sure. So I had the opportunity to test my faith, and I would put my foot on it, and I'd kind of like, you know, test and get out there and then wiggle and kind of jump and shake and be like, all right, yo, come on out here. This is great. No problem. And all of a sudden, I had a, a evidence to put my faith upon that this thing is going to hold me up, okay? So faith is the conviction of truth or belief. It's a solidifying of a belief. So if you want more faith, it comes by... Hearing. If you want more faith, it comes by hearing. It comes by processing thoughts and stories and ideas about what? About the word of God. About the things that God has done. About the things that God wants to do. About the things that God has said. About the things that God is currently saying. If you want more faith in your life, if you read Jesus' words, when he says, oh, if you just have faith of a mustard seed, you can move that whole mountain. If you want that, the way to get more compelling evidence to rest your belief upon is to hear more of what God has said, of what God has done, of what he is doing and what he wants to do. That is how you grow that belief. Amen? So then this summer, we're doing this whole series called Testify. Testify. We're doing this series called Testify because I want us to move ourselves along through hearing the testimony and the stories of what God's doing and to launch us out into new places. As we were praying this morning, the picture that came to my mind was that all of us were like little footballs and God was a punter and he would set us up and as we would hear the testimonies of a lot of different people this summer, Rachel and I aren't going to preach at all. We're going to hear stories from everybody else, not us. But as you hear stories, it's going to be like you getting punted because when you hear the testimony, you can quickly be catapulted into a new place of thought and belief and a new place in God. Bam, just like that. It happens so fast. All right? So that's our goal as we testify this summer. 
So you want to know God more, you want to trust God more, you want to have mighty faith, then pay attention to what he has said and done and is saying and doing. It's so simple. And if I look back at all the places in my life, and I think probably for you too, every place where I felt like there was a significant level up in God, going deeper in God, trusting God more, taking radical risks, every single time I can point to hearing a testimony and taking it for myself and saying, man, if it's true for them, it's true for me too. All right? So let me share um, what God spoke to me about all this. I'm going to read for just a second, and then we're going to experience firsthand the power of the testimony to stir things up in you. Ready? Here's what I felt like the Lord said. Um, By the power of the blood, by the grace and power that comes through it, and then by the training of the mind that comes through the word of testimony, those things create faith, which becomes an unstoppable force in the spirit world. It's like a bullet train blazing by. It creates the right conditions at the right time in the right way, and that allows for extraordinary acceleration and momentum to move people much more quickly than they could in typical scenarios. All right? So you hear with the blood of Jesus, you hear the testimony, and it creates faith. It draws faith in, and it's like sticking you on a bullet train, and bam, you got this momentum pushing you forward. Why is this so? Because my word creates, right? The word of God creates. There was nothing, and then God spoke, and then bam, there was the world, the universe, because the word of God creates. So he says, because my word creates, and I've made you in my image, And so when you use your word to testify about me, you also have the power to create, just like I do when I speak. You see, ordinarily, your words don't necessarily have power to create, but when your words are covered in the blood of Jesus and they testify of the power of God in your life, it creates faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you testify about my works, you are speaking the word of God. The words of God are simply things I've said or done. The entire Bible testifies about what I've said and done, and therefore it creates faith. And in the same way, when you testify, you speak out the word of God, and you then hold the power to create like I do. How cool is that? Amen? All right. So now I want to read to you. This is a book that has radically changed my life. My daughter is named after this book, basically. Um, This is John G. Lake's sermons and stories. Callie's name is Callie Lake Wortman. Um, This is one of the stories that I read a long time ago, and it was, I heard the story, and bam, I'm just like fired up. I'm hungry. I press in for more. My life was changed forever as I heard this story. So I'm going to read to you for about 10 minutes, all right? So hang in there but it's going to be good. And I want you specifically to pay attention to what happens inside of your spirit as you hear the testimony of the Holy Spirit through John G. Lake. Ready? Are you ready? Are you awake? You shake your head? You stand up? You ready? Get ready. Eight years had passed away after God revealed Jesus, the healer, to me. 
And I'd been practicing the ministry of healing. During that eight years, every answer to prayer, every miraculous touch of God, every response of my own soul to the Spirit had created within me a more intense longing for an intimacy and consciousness of God like I felt the disciples of Jesus and the primitive church had possessed. Shortly after my entrance into the ministry of healing, while attending a service where the necessity for the baptism of the Spirit was being presented, as I knelt in prayer and reconsecration to God, an anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon me. Waves of glory, holy glory, passed through my being, and I was lifted into a new consciousness of God's presence and power. And I ministered for a number of years in the power of that anointing. Answers to prayers were frequent. Miracles of healing occurred from time to time. And I felt myself on the borderland of a great spiritual realm of consciousness. But I was unable to enter in fully so that my nature was not gratified or satisfied with the attainment. Friend said, you have the baptism of the Spirit. If you did not have it, you couldn't enjoy such a fruitful ministry as you do. And other statements of this character, yet the longing in my soul was to me the evidence that there was a better experience than my soul knew. Finally, I was led to set aside certain hours of the day that I dedicated to God as times of meditation and prayer. And thus a number of months passed until one morning as I knelt praying in the spirit of the Lord, the Lord spoke within my spirit and said, be patient until autumn. My heart rejoiced in this encouragement. I continued my practice of meditation and prayer and it became easy to detach my soul from the course of life. So that while my hands and my mind were engaged in the common affairs of every day, my spirit maintained its attitude of communion with God. This, this silent prayer became habitual. Indeed, it had been to a great extent all my life. So in the autumn, I was brought into contact with a minister of the gospel who was preaching a clear message of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In my study of the man and his teachings, I was struck with the fact that his interpretation of the word was exceedingly true to what my soul understood as the real spirit of the word. Through his teaching, I was led into a deeper and clearer consciousness of God's power to keep the heart of man free from the consciousness of sin. Instead of the usual struggle against evil in my inner life, such a consciousness of God's cleansing power in my inner nature became evident that a joyous and victorious note came into my soul. At this time, in addition to my work as a minister of the gospel, I was engaged as a manager of agents for a life insurance company. During the period of time I now speak, I preached practically every single night. After our services, I was in the habit of joining a circle of friends who, like myself, were determined to pray through into God to where we could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we believed the early disciples had received it. It was my belief that not only should my spirit ascend into new consciousness of God's presence, but that the evident and conscious power of God should come upon my life. In my consecration to God again and again, I said, God, if you will baptize me in your Holy Spirit and you will give me the power of God, nothing shall be permitted to stand between me and a hundredfold obedience. I continued to meet with these friends almost every night for months. And a blessed woman of God who was visiting in our city and was being entertained at my home, she was observing the anguish of my spirit. And she said to me one day, hey, come aside, let's pray. And as we knelt, she said, as we pray, if God reveals any cause or hindrance to you, why you don't receive the baptism of the Spirit, tell me. And if he reveals it to me, I'll tell you. And so we prayed, but no hindrance was revealed to either one. And so then she said, we will obey the word of God and the practice of the early church. And laying her hands on my head, she prayed that God, uh, that I might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A deep calm settled upon me. In the afternoon, a brother minister called and invited me to accompany him to a visit, to visit a lady who was sick. 
Arriving at the home, we found a lady in a wheelchair. All of her joints were set with inflammatory rheumatism. She'd been in this condition for 10 years. And while my friend was conversing with her, preparing her to be prayed for with, uh, that she might be healed, I sat in a deep chair in the opposite side of the large room. My soul was crying out to God in a yearning too deep for words, when suddenly it seemed to me I had passed under a shower of warm tropical rain, which was not falling upon me, but it was falling through me. My spirit and my soul and my body under this influence were soothed into such a deep, still calm as I had never known. My brain, which had always been so active, it became perfectly still. And an awe of the presence of God settled over me, and I knew it was God. Some moments passed, I don't know how many. The Spirit said, I've heard your prayers, and I've seen your tears. You are now to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The seeming rain ceased, but oh, it had left such a calm, such a quiet of God upon me as my words cannot tell. And then currents of power began to rush through my being. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, these shocks of power increased in rapidity and voltage. As these currents of power would pass through me, they seemed to come upon my head, rush through my body and through my feet into the floor. This power was so great that my body began to vibrate intensely so that I believe if I had not been sitting in such a deep chair, I would have fallen to the floor. An overwhelming consciousness of God's presence possessed me. A new rush of power taking hold of my very flesh seemed to come from my feet and move upward. My throat and my tongue began to move in a strange manner, and I found that I was unable to speak English. And presently, I began to speak in another language, one that I had never learned by the power of the Holy Spirit. For years, I had been a profound student of psychic phenomena and had observed among different bodies of Christian people various manifestations. Sometimes they would be the Spirit of God, but many other times they were purely psychic. And I prayed, Father, you know that I've witnessed many phases of psychic phenomena. If this is your power that's coursing through my being, or, or is it some character of, of psychic manifestation that the world doesn't know? If it's real power, or do I just think it's power? Father, I want to know. And God answered that cry in the following manner. At that instant, I observed my friend. He was motioning me to come and join in prayer for the woman who was sick. In his absorption of helping the woman, he had not observed anything taking place in me. And so I arose to go to him, but I found that my body was trembling so violently that I had great difficulty in walking across the room, especially in controlling the trembling of my hands and my arms. I was familiar with sick people, having ministered to them so many years, and I knew it wouldn't be wise to put my hand upon the sick woman's head so that I didn't jar her head. <laughs> it occurred to me that all that was necessary was to touch the tips of my fingers on the top of the patient's head, and then the vibrations wouldn't jar her. So this I did. At once, the currents of holy power passed through my being, and I knew that it likewise passed through the one that was sick. She did not speak, but apparently was amazed at the effect in her body. My friend, who had been talking to her in his great earnestness, had been kneeling as he talked to her. He arose. He said, let us pray that the Lord will now heal you. And as he did, so he took her hand, or took her by the hand. At the instant that their hands touched, a flash of dynamic power went through my person and through the sick woman. And as my friend held her hand, the shock of power passed through her hand and into him. The rush of power into his person was so great that it caused him to fall to the floor. 
He looked at Mia with joy and surprise, springing to his feet. Praise the Lord, Sean. Jesus has baptized you in the Holy Ghost. And then he took the crippled hand that had been set for 10 years. The clenched hands opened and the joints began to work. First the fingers and then the hand and then the wrist and then the elbows and then the shoulder. And she was magnificently healed. These were the outward manifestations, but oh, who could describe the thrills of joy inexpressibly that were passing through my spirit? Who could comprehend the peace and the presence of God that filled my soul? The sanctifying power of the spirit in my flesh, subduing all my nature unto what I understood the nature of Christ. The revelation of his will, the unspeakable tenderness that possessed me. A love for mankind such as I had never known were all born within. Even at this late day, 10 years later, the awe of the hour rests upon my soul. My experience has truly been, as Jesus said, he shall be within you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The never ceasing fountain has flowed through my spirit, soul, and body day and night, bringing salvation and healing and the baptism of the spirit and the power of God to multitudes. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? So as you hear that story, what's happening inside of you? Are you getting hungry? Are you getting excited? Are you longing for more? Do you want that experience yourself? Because what the power of testimony should do is for you to hear this story and say, God, I'm your child too. I have all of the blessings of the heavenly realms that have already been given to me based on what you say in Ephesians. It's already been given to me, so why don't I experience that? Man, I want that. God, I want that. Give it to me. Give it to me more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. And it should produce a hunger, a, a holy dissatisfaction. And as you come to the Father, just like Jesus says with, with the judge and the widow, and he says the widow continued to come to the wicked judge and was like banging on the door. Give me justice. Give me justice. Come on. And Jesus encouraged the woman for not giving up. He said, you need to be like the woman who just doesn't give up. You want it. You know that God loves you and he wants to give it to you just come to him like that because he loves you he is not a wicked judge he loves you he loves to give good gifts to those who ask so don't stop just keep coming keep pressing in keep hungering for more and he will eventually show up and give you the things that you're longing for amen and so that is the power of testimony it has it holds creative power in a moment to change lives to change the course of history. Rosa Parks comes to mind. Her testimony, bam, changed the course of history based on the, the testimony. Chris Pratt, uh, the, the actor. Anybody see his MTV thing this week? Raise your hand. His nine rules for life this week. He was at the MTV Awards, and it was awesome. He gets up there. Nobody has a clue what he's going to say. He's prepared this big, long speech, and it's his nine rules for life. And he's speaking to the younger generation as their elder. And he says, listen up. And he starts going through practical rules of life and how to use the restroom appropriately. <laughs> the, the whole thing was weird. But along the way, he's adding pieces. Like number, I, I don't know the numbers, but along the way, he's like, number three, there is a God who loves you. And he wants to be your father. And he is good. Number four, when you go to the toilet, don't do this. 
<laughs> it was weird. When I saw it a couple days ago on Facebook, it was MTV's Facebook page that's been posting it and sharing it. They had 40 million views, okay? But the end of it, the very end, number nine, is that you, your sins have been paid for by the blood of somebody else, and you are accepted to God. <laughs> it was amazing. It was masterful. And his testimony carried with it creative power that potentially will change the course of history with the millions of people who have watched that testimony. It was awesome. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Your testimony, it has God-ordained creative power to change lives. And so, in conclusion, I want you to share your testimony more. I want you to go back and realize what your testimony is. I want you to go back and listen to the things God has spoken to you and testify those things. Speak them out. Cause your brain to process what the Lord has said to you. And go and listen and hear more. Start asking people for their testimonies. Start listening to other people's testimonies. Start reading more and more books like this one. Okay? And as you press in to hearing more testimony, it's going to create faith in you. It's going to draw you up to a higher level in God, so, and it's going to change the course of your life. Amen? And as we move forward this summer, and you get to hear from so many different people sharing their testimonies and what God's been doing in them, we believe that we're all going to be catapulted into a new place. Amen? So I want to pray for us, and we're dismissed. Oh, wait, we got to do the tithe after that. Okay. So, Father, man, we are just so thankful for the power of testimony, for the blood of the Lamb. And when it mixes with the proclamation of what you have said and what you have done and what you want to do, and when they mix together the creative power that they hold to create faith, to give compelling evidence, to plant our belief upon and to live differently based on those things, Lord, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And we just receive it into our lives. And I'm asking that this summer, we would be hungry for more. We would be hungry for more testimony. We would be hungry to go search our histories and, and remember the things that you've spoken and the things that you've done. And we would proclaim our own testimonies to ourselves and to others. And we would be hungry to ask more questions and to to find out more testimonies from our friends and from our family and from podcasts and from books and whatever it is. God, let us hear the testimony and let it draw us up into deeper places in you. And we give you permission to let us hear any testimonies you want us to hear that could change the course of our lives, that could catapult us into new directions. We give you permission to let us hear those things. And we speak to our brains we speak to our thoughts, that when we hear the testimony of God, we will respond well, we will process well, and we will take it and allow faith to be created inside of us. In Jesus' name.